Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash bookshow. Then go over to morbidlybeautiful.com as we are now part of the Morbidly Beautiful Podcasting Network. It has been established that persons who have recently died have been returning to life and committing acts of murder. Have you checked the children? children. I want to play a game. The box. You opened it. We came. This is the All America Welcome to the latest edition of the All-American Spook Show podcast. I'm Josh, and I'm joined here with Will and the Professor Smoke. What's up? That's right. Will is here, but Donnie is not. So they're just just switching places here. Will hasn't been here as much lately, so uh, it's nice to have him back. But then Donnie had some stuff come up, so he's not going to be here this week. It's fortuitous, Will, that you uh, decided to join us this week because this was your choice. Oh, yeah. And as we left it last week, you know, when we watched Texas Chainsaw Massacre, we did not know what we were going to watch this week because you weren't you weren't there. You weren't able to be there for that episode. So go ahead and announce what we're going to be watching and talking about today. <laughs> well, I mean, if you're listening to this episode, you already know. But uh, Evil Dead 2. <laughs> I would hope you at least <laughs> looked at the title by this point. But look, I'm just trying to make it official on the airwaves. All right. I'm sure there's some people that don't look. They just. They just hit play because they can't wait for the next edition of the All-American Spook Show. So they're just like, I don't care what it is. Just, just play it. They'll give it to me. <laughs> um, yeah, Evil Dead 2 from 1987. Now, we, we watched um, The Evil Dead. That was back, uh, I want to say October. No, no, no. It was right after Camp Spook Show, so it was like late last summer. We watched it on uh, episode 121, so you can go back in the archives and... Uh, listen to our thoughts on the you know the first the original the evil dead from uh, 1981 but uh yeah th- th- this is uh this is going to be awesome another big one you know like like i said right after we just watched the texas chainsaw massacre last week now we're watching evil dead too so uh we're, we're on a little bit of a run so we'll see if uh that run continues in, in the weeks to follow but before we get deep into this one i i, I want to mention uh first right off the bat you know since this is a bigger one just like last week if you've never listened to the spook show welcome but we are a spoiler-filled podcast. If you've never watched Evil Dead 2 and you want to, you might want to hit pause, go watch it, come back, because we are going to spoil the movie for you if you haven't seen it, so be aware. Also, we want you to go over and visit aaspookshow.com. That's the center of the Spook Show universe. That will take you to our YouTube channel, where we have cool stuff over there like Grindhouse Gutter, Video Vortex, Spook Show Rewind, Hammer Horror, In Order. That's all over on the YouTube channel. Uh, it'll also take you to our Patreon, patreon.com slash Show as well. Uh, but over there, every month we have uh, video mini-sodes, including the Library of the Professor. Every month we do uh, Crapster Piece Theater. That's what you vote on on all the socials and everything and make us watch. And uh, this month, we're going to be watching Troll 2. So, Smoke, you looking forward to that? I was the one that chose <laughs> Troll 2. Mm-hmm. And our policy is generally uh, whoever chooses it. And if that movie wins, they don't have to do the show. But, uh, yeah, I may... I, I, I haven't committed 100% to it, but I really, very, you know, I very well may be on that episode just because of the absurd movie, and I haven't seen it in a while myself. So, yeah, I may very well pop up on that episode, even though it was my choice. <laughs> yeah. So, Will, hopefully you're able to make it for that one because I know here lately you, uh, your schedule hasn't allowed as much watching to get done, but hopefully you're there for that one. We can only hope. And, uh, <laughs> like I said, you can go over to aspookshow.com and find all these things and more. So we encourage you to do that. So without any further buildup, we'll go ahead and toss to the trailer for Evil Dead 2. Four years ago, in this quiet forest, in this cozy cabin, something happened. Something so frightening. Something so deadly. Something so evil. We prayed it would never happen again. 
creator of Evil Dead comes Evil Dead 2. there you go that's the the trailer for that will have you ever seen this before no i guess it's i guess it's somewhat unsurprising for for you not to have seen it i've seen it but it had to be honest it's been a while like i i've seen it a number of times but i probably haven't sat down and watched it from beginning to end in well over 15 20 years it's been a while so this this was pretty fresh just because it has been so long but smoke i know you've uh seen it a thousand times right work shed oh yeah we get that up yeah, I've seen it. Uh, God, I don't know. I, I saw the first one before. Of course, before I saw this one back in the day, whatever. But when I first got into horror, it was around shortly, maybe a year or so before Evil Dead Two came out. As far as me taking the deep dive into, you know, horror fandom, you might say all that. Before, like in prior to 1985 or so, I was a casual horror fan. So I'd already seen the first one and was eagerly awaiting the second one when it came out. And, definitely was not disappointed so yeah i don't know how many times i've seen it since then when was that when do you think the most recent time most recent time it's probably hadn't been too many years maybe a couple it might have been a couple years between now you know this time and the time before probably two years i'd say okay so it's been if then, you know, it's been a lot sooner since than since i've seen it i guess is what i was getting at yeah you, you couldn't remember the last time but it's been no, a while it's been a long time yeah 15 20 years it's been a long time enough time to have forgotten a lot of yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I remember it being, uh, you know, and we'll, and we'll get into that here shortly, kind of a remake of the first one, but I had forgotten. And I remembered too, how much they lean into the, the kind of absurdity and the, and the slapstick of it, you know, mm. that's about all I'd kind of remembered. I'd forgotten a lot of the details, you know, of, of how it played out and, and definitely the ending. I'd forgot about that. <laughs> um, but we'll get, we'll get into that here shortly. Okay. Well, you mean, yeah, the, how it yeah, links to... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I completely <laughs> forgot about that. But yeah, so I guess we'll go ahead and dive into some of the background information. It's also known as Evil Dead 2 Dead by Dawn. That was in various places and like an alternate title here. It was released March 13th, 1987 by Renaissance Pictures. That, that was the production company. And it was distributed by Rosebud Releasing Corporation. Uh, of course, this is rated R. Total runtime of one hour and 24 minutes. So... Nice and tight, the way we like it. Uh, <laughs> over on IMDb, it was listed as a comedy slash horror in that order. Uh, it was filmed at De La Renta Studios out in Wilmington, North Carolina, and other scenes uh, shot in, in Wadesboro, North Carolina, and in some in Detroit, Michigan. So that's uh, we've we've talked about De La Renta's you know DEG Studios before here on the show because that's not too awfully far away from uh, the Spook Show gang. Like it's out. Out near the out on the coast of uh, North Carolina, which is probably what roughly four to six hours away from us, give or take. Um, so it's kind of in our neck of the woods, and it's come up before, like what with uh, Maximum Overdrive, and seems like a couple others. We might as well mention here too, I guess, since we're talking about De Laurentiis Studios, the way that came about, real quick, as far as you know, Raimi didn't have enough money to make Evil Dead Two the way he wanted to on his own. So Stephen King, being a huge fan of the first movie. Made some calls, got you know connection with uh, DEG with the De Laurentiis Entertainment, and uh, got them to finance Evil Dead Two. So thankfully that happened, or we may not have Evil Dead Two that we have today. Yeah, and I think that was because of some of the ties that he had from doing Maximum Overdrive, right? Like I think that kind of properly led to yeah, the situation it here. It just clout from just being Stephen King, probably. Well, yeah, as well, that but. too. But yeah, I'm sure that helps. <laughs> yeah. But I think it was directly. Yeah. It had a lot to do with the fact that he had just, you know, had done Maximum Overdrive or was doing it, whatever the time frame was. So that, that's still, it's yeah. pretty cool. But it was, it was filmed from May 10th to September of 1986 and then picked up again, I guess, for some reshoots or added scenes or whatever in December of 1986. 
for a budget of three and a half million dollars. Now I don't remember what we said the the budget was for the Evil Dead, but I'm I'm sure this was like what probably over three million more than they had to make that one, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And, the, and you and you definitely see it in there. And but you know, and that's not knocking the first one. I'm a huge fan of the first one and what he had, what he did with what how much money he had or how little money he had yeah. was amazing. But yeah, you can see it in the production value on this one for sure. It went on to a worldwide gross of five point nine million, so which doesn't sound extremely impressive, but considering uh that you know that they still made money off of this and it didn't really get a lot of play in a lot of theaters. I think the most it ever played in a theater, like at screen I'm talking about screens, theaters, right? I think it only had like uh three hundred and something screens at any time. So considering that it never got over a thousand screens or anything like that, to make that much money is it was pretty impressive and it didn't fall out, fall off much week to week when it was act, you know, the little run that it had that it played. Uh, but I've got the opening weekend numbers from when it came out March 13th through the 15th, 1987. That's the weekend that we're looking at. It finished 14th for the weekend with, uh, it made a little over $800,000 that weekend, but it was only playing, like I said, in 310 screens. So I, I, I feel that's pretty impressive, but the, the, the top 10, that weekend were number 10 Hoosiers. Hoosier. God, I can't even say it. Hoosiers. Hoosiers. <laughs> that was number 10. It was in its 18th week, for God's sake, and it was still in the top 10. Number nine, Mannequin, which we just talked about. What That was uh, just a couple weeks ago, right? It hadn't been that long ago. We, we were just <laughs> talking about that. Yeah. Uh, number eight, Outrageous Fortune. Number seven, Witchboard. Number six, Some Kind of Wonderful. Number five, Angel Heart. Number four, Ten Men. Number three, Platoon. Number two, and this is a big one for horror, A Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors. It was in its third week when this came out. And number one in its second week, Lethal Weapon. So, Smoke, what what do you think? uh, You know, you you get a free ticket for that weekend. What are you going to go see? Well, if I had had a choice, and it, this didn't play near me at all, I would have seen Evil Dead too. Out of all those, even though I, Ben, this is great. That is a great lineup there. You have Dream Warriors, Lethal, Lethal Weapon, Weapon yeah. two, right? It was. No, no, it was I the mean, first one. First one. The first one. Yeah. First Lethal Weapon. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, those are all tough choices to make. But me being the fan I was then and now, I'd probably have seen gone to see Evil Dead, especially if it were you know limited release. <laughs> and Will, I know you would have went and saw Mannequin, of course, or or Angel Heart. It, it would have been one of those for you. Yeah. <laughs> it was directed and written by Sam Raimi, uh, I, I, who obviously you would know from the Evil Dead. Uh, he went on to make another one of these, Army of Darkness, which we'll, we'll bring back up here in a little while. Dark Man, of course, probably in, in in more current times, he's probably better, slightly better known for for some people at least, as being the director of the uh, to, uh, Tobey Maguire Spider Man trilogy. Oh, I thought you were going to say The Wizard of Oz. Yeah. Oh, yeah, well, uh, oh no. Was it Oz Great and Powerful or something like that? But this movie was also, by the way, as far as Sam Raimi is concerned, I'm sure we will have a spook show spotlight at some point on, on the career of Sam Raimi. So, you know, there's really no need to go much deeper than we did here or in the, uh, you know, episode 121 when we talked about The Evil Dead. Uh, but this movie was written by Raimi and Scott Spiegel. Scott Spiegel, you know, has had a pretty impressive career himself. Uh, he was a writer on Thou Shalt Not Kill, Except, and Intruder, and he was a uh, uh, and he was the director of Intruder. He also wrote The Rookie, that Clint Eastwood flick. He was a director on he was the director on From Dust Till Dawn Two, Texas Blood Money, and Hostel Part Three. So you know, f- fairly good resume for him, and a number of other things too. But I just figured those were the highlights as far as. Uh, you know, spook show listeners would be concerned. It stars Bruce Campbell as Ash. Of course, you would know him from the the original, The Evil Dead. We've already talked about the sequel to this, Army of Darkness. Ash versus Evil Dead, the series uh, from, you know, the last five or ten years ago. Uh, and Bubba, Bubba Hotep. And tons of other things. I mean, the, the dude's got like nearly 200 uh, acting credits on IMDb. Once again, he might be somebody that's worth a, a spook show spotlight at some point. Right, Smoke? Definitely, yeah. Yeah. And he still does the... Uh... He does the tour circuits every one. Well, I mean, he might do the tour circuits more on the West Coast. I don't know, but I know he does it. He was at one out here not too long ago. I can't remember if it was in Atlanta or Charlotte. I first went back in the two of that weekend of horrors I went to, but back then it was uh, just walking around the floor, and it was pretty easy to just walk up to him or whatever. 
That's awesome. Not so much now. Yeah, yeah. Definitely have to get to a spotlight episode. On. I'm sure he'd have at least five or six people in the line for him now. Yeah, just a little. We, did, we didn't meet him per se. We saw him on the convention floor and uh, yeah. snuck a picture of him. <laughs> 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 oh, snuck a picture of him out of the, and it's, what's funny about that picture, not to go off on a tangent here, is that uh, Sean Astin was at the table next to him, and he happened to be looking at the camera like, what the hell are you doing type thing. <laughs> <laughs> so we got a picture of Bruce Campbell off on the side and Sean Astin looking like, you know, <laughs> what's wrong? With you shouldn't you? be doing that. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, this movie also stars Sarah Barry as Annie. Now, really, the only other credit of note that she has is uh, a small role in Chud Two, Bud the Chud. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't. There's really- a movie we got somewhere. Craps to piece. I don't know. It also stars Dan Hicks as Jake. You know, remember, he's the uh, the kind of a uh, somewhat toothless. Uh, bib overall wearing guy <laughs> in the movie, the, the redneck dude. Uh, he, he also, he's been in a lot of, uh, Sam Raimi projects such as dark man, intruder, uh, and other stuff too, like maniac cop, Wishmaster, Cassie Wesley DePava as Bobby Joe. She went on to be a major soap opera star. She was in, and, and, and almost all the major soap operas too, by the way, she was in 86 episodes of guiding light. 823 episodes of One Life to Live and 382 episodes of Days of Our Lives. So <laughs> she went on to have quite a soap opera career in the years that all through the 90s and early 2000s. Uh, so I, I thought that was crazy. Like, and, and I didn't really, you know, recognize her, you know, from anything other than this. And when I looked at the IMDb, I realized why, because she's, because <laughs> she's been in no, pretty much nothing but soap operas ever since. And, uh, it also stars Richard Demare as Ed. Remember he's the, uh, blonde haired, uh, boyfriend of Annie. He was also in Teen Wolf, small role and another small role in Die Hard too, among a handful of other things. And of course we can't get out of here without recognizing Ted Raimi as possessed Henrietta. And he's the brother of Sam Raimi, obviously, and we've mentioned Ted Raimi before. But uh, more importantly, he was the guy that was uh, uh, was he, wasn't he selling condoms or something like that in Blood Rage at the beginning at the uh, the the drive-in? Yeah, the condom salesman. <laughs> yeah, driving up. Yeah. <laughs> so, that, so that's where he made Spook Show history as the condom salesman in Blood Rage. So that's as far as like you know some of the back the the general background information. That's about all I have. Was there anything you guys wanted to bring up before we start getting into the meat of the movie? Well, no, well going back to the De Laurentiis thing, Rosebud was not. That was you know we mentioned that as being the prime distributor for it, but that wasn't even a company really. That was a that was a made up company name or whatever by De, De Laurentiis Studios to. Uh, release it unrated because they didn't, they weren't in the business of releasing unrated movies. <laughs> so they had to come up with this studio, sort of this fake pseudo studio to release it under in order to get it out unrated. And I think Rosebud, isn't that a, uh, I guess a reference to Citizen Kane? Yes. Yeah. That That's yeah. by the way, that's spoiler alert for anyone that's never seen Citizen Kane. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry about that. But I, I think everybody knows that reference by now. So yeah. I, there's somebody I, out there going damn it i haven't watched it yet I mean, God, damn it why did i wait well, you didn't long? say what rosebud was that's the whole purpose true yeah yeah true we'll just leave it there before before someone slips up and says it don't say it oh, oh. <laughs> what is it hey why it's buttercup popcorn add some butter to hot popcorn Mix it up, wrap it up, Buttercup is born. It's delicious. So nutritious. It's a taste delight. It's so munchy. Crisp and crunchy. You'll enjoy each bite. Eat butter-crunched Buttercup. Popcorn at its best. Served in a king-size cup. It beats all the For you, the listeners of the All-American Spook Show, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. So I hopped over to Audible, and I just typed in Evil Dead 2 to see what would pop up. And uh, unfortunately, nothing that has anything to do with this movie, but I, I did get a few things. Dead Time, Between Two Evils Number 3 by D.L. Horton. That is the uh, book three of the Between Two Evils series, which I know, Will, you're a big fan of that. So there's the third one. Oh, yeah. Third books there on Audible. We've also got Crash, the Evil Dead MC series, book two. 
I don't know what the Evil Dead MC story is, but apparently there's at least two of them by Nicole James. That's there. And uh, let's see. This just, this just looks and sounds awesome. New Rules for Battles, the Dead Evil Mercenary Corps series, book two, by Michael Anderley. And it looks exactly the way it sounds. Like, that cover looks like 80s, like, dystopian future insanity type of thing. So, at least that's what it looks like. So, if any of that stuff may or may not interest you, you can hop over to audibletrial.com slash spookshow. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash spookshow for your free audio book. So yeah, it's it's a win-win. You go over there, they give you a credit. You can cash that credit in for a free book. And um if you decide you don't want to keep paying for it, you can cancel it. You get to keep the free book. So it helps us out. You get a free book out of it. We all win. So I'm going to go over to IMDb and I'm going to click on plot summaries. And surprisingly, we have a few here because this is a big movie. I'm just going to read a, a couple a few of these, I guess. You've got the one sentence, you know, brief one. The lone survivor of an onslaught of flesh-possessing spirits holds up in a cabin with a group of strangers while the demons continue their attack. I mean, that's a pretty simple, you know, premise here, really. That pretty much explains it, but we need to go deeper. This one was submitted by Nick Reganus over on IMDb. Having survived the horrors of the mystical Necronomicon by the skin of his teeth and the evil dead, a half-mad Ash struggles to ward off the all-powerful demonic influence of the cursed forest. But evil never sleeps, and before long, a mortal mistake will bring everyone back to square one, including the late professor's daughter, Annie, her partner, Ed, and a pair of unsuspecting locals. Now, as the unholy passages invite ancient dark spirits into this world, paving the way for the advent of pure evil, sanity is at stake. What have they unleashed unto the earth? When fresh human souls are the ultimate prize, what can stop the things that were and shall be again? That, he, he really uh, made that sound pretty exciting. I, I'll have to admit, it's pretty good. It's uh, good to know. Yeah. <laughs> and one last one. This one was submitted by Derek O'Kane. Ash and his girlfriend, Linda, are in a remote cabin in the woods. There he discovers a tape recorder that a professor had used to record incantations from the Necronomicon Ex Mortis, the Book of the Dead. When he turns it on, the recording releases a dark, sinister force from the woods. It turns Linda into a zombie, her soul possessed by some hideous demon, and then tries to do the same to Ash. Other people come to help Ash, but one by one they are taken over by the evil dead force that also possesses Linda, the professor, and the professor's wife. And they try to make sure Ash is dead by dawn. Where, where do we want to start here? I guess like right out, right out the gates with the origins of the Necronomicon. Cause like, you know, remember the Necronomicon was, it was a thing in the first movie, but like they didn't really explain yeah. exactly what it was in that one. If I recall, right. No, no, they used it as the plot device to get the stuff going, but yeah, they didn't really go into it too much. But I mean, I know if, if you want to talk about the origins of it, you know, there's, there's differing stories out there, but I think everybody agrees that, that HP Lovecraft, created came up with the name necronomicon and used that book in his as same sort of same way this movie does as a plot device in a story and he used it over the course of i don't know how many but quite a few stories and then other writers writing in the same vein of lovecraft also used necronomicon in their stories and so then it grew but then there's also a, a little paperback book i remember that came out it might have come out in hardcover called necronomicon but it wasn't i think it was to tie in with the lovecraft you know as far as the name of necronomicon it would sell a lot of copies but it was some occult occult book. So that's my extent of knowledge on the Necronomicon. I know that it was not a real book. So if you look it up, people will say, yeah, it's a real book. You know, the Necronomicon, here it is. I got the paperback or whatever. But that was not, you know, didn't exist as the Necronomicon before Lovecraft was writing his story. So really, he came up with the name, invented the name and for an occult book. And then this publisher later put out a occult book under that name. So that would be the origins, to my knowledge, of the Necronomicon. I'd say from there though, the movie escalates pretty quickly. Like, and it also, is it just me or does it feel like that he basically, Raimi basically gave us like about a five to 10 minute version of the first movie here off the bat. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That, that also had to do with, uh, them not getting the rights to use the footage from the first movie, from the original distributor of that film. <laughs> so they couldn't like use the store, the actual film footage to show. Cause really this movie, we could talk about that is, a lot of people claim it's a remake of the first movie, and for you know all intents and purposes, that kind of that yeah, it pretty much kind of is. But technically, it's not. I guess it was supposed to be 
events taking place right after the end of the first movie where Ash is, is possessed, right? And then uh, they were supposed to show these scenes leading up to that from the first movie, but they couldn't get the right. So they used, they just narrated that point. And uh, so technically it's supposed to take place directly after I mean, the first yeah, evil day. It, it, felt, was, it yeah. felt like the first five to 10 minutes were kind of like a, a, a brief remake recap of what happened in that first one, you know, all the way up to like, you know, her, his girlfriend being possessed, her, him burying her, her coming back out of the grave and everything like that. Pretty much all, all the way leading up to that, that evil dead spirit or whatever that is, you know, that, uh, what would they call that? The first person camera where it's chasing him around. Like, you know, the, the thing that they, they've done yeah. in both movies where it's kind of chasing him through the woods all the way up to that point where remember at the end, you know, spoiler alert for the, the first, the evil dead. If you haven't seen it, that's the way that ends is like that thing's chasing him. And then it's coming right at his Boom. Like bam, yeah. and then the credits. You basically see that play out again, but then you see what c- kind of happens right after that. That's where, to me, that's where this movie kind of picks up. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's, as far as even though some that ones were kind of redone, I think he wanted to. He had a, he had a bigger budget, so I think he wanted to do some of those gags they were going to do in the first movie or try to do in the first movie on with a better production. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but but I think as far as like just connecting those two movies. That's where I think this falls more as like a requel because it's like, yeah, it's a remake, but it's also a sequel. You know, yes, so yeah. it's, it's a weird place for it to lie, but that that's the truth of it. So it's not like a shot for shot remake as much as just let's kind of redo that, but continue the story, you know? So, um, but it escalates pretty quickly because of all this. Like, it doesn't take long. Like, you know, they're in the cabin having their moment. And then all of a sudden that's over. Now here the shit begins. You're only what maybe like five to eight minutes in, and you're already into uh, she's dead. He buries her, <laughs> and then she comes back out of the grave. He lops her head off with the shovel. Then eventually he you know he's running. It's just mass chaos right out the gate. <laughs> he uh, he gets possessed, uh, but then it kind of like it basically it kind of goes away when the sun comes up, right? Like that there was no other reason than that, right? Yeah, like the the sun, the daylight dispelled the demons type thing. Mm-hmm. And they did the same bit where the he's trying to get out and the bridge is out, and and it looks kind of the same too, where the bridge is kind of peeled up and sticking up out of the yeah. like a hand almost. Yeah, I something. <laughs> yeah, I love the part though when Linda comes back from the you know from out of the grave and she's just dancing around. <laughs> that was hilarious. But she's doing the ballet thing and her head's staying in place, yeah. but her body's spinning around. <laughs> and she does a little bit of the globe trotters thing where she uh, lets it roll down her arm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then he grabs a hold of her head and, and puts her head in vice grips and as she's like talking shit or whatever and then he takes a chainsaw and cuts the head in half right like destroys the head um yeah. Yeah. but meanwhile i i don't remember the order of it like i, I think it she had bit him right like that's how he got her head over to the vice grips like she bit him on the hand he he carries her all the way over to that that work shed or whatever is that where he says the work shed thing I forget where he said work shit. <laughs> it yeah, might I believe I it was. Cause, yeah, cause that, that too. <laughs> might as well mention that as well. Like the whole work shit thing is, cause it's very much different from the rest of it. Right. And cause they recorded that cause it was inaudible or Ramey thought it was inaudible in the actual recording of it. So he got camera back in to just, you know, do some pickups, I guess, or whatever. And it recorded that. So it's very, it comes out very loud and like work shit, you know, <laughs> but then uh, I remember reading about Kurt Russell whenever, uh, they were shooting Escape from L.A. and, you know, Bruce Campbell's in that movie. That The first thing he said on set to him was, say work shit. <laughs> Kurt Russell asked Bruce Campbell, say work shit. <laughs> but she bites him on the hand, so, like, basically now his hand has become possessed. And this is where you get a lot of the Three Stooges type stuff, like, to me. Like, yeah. the hand's, like, you know, it's out of, it's it has a mind of its own, so to speak. Like, so it's smacking him and dragging him around Busted. and beating the shit out of him and... <laughs> <laughs> breaking stuff. <laughs> so he chainsaws. He ch- he chainsaws it all. Yeah, that's the that's a solution. That's one way to do it. But then you know, then what happens after he chainsaws it off? <laughs> and it's running around loose in the house. Yeah, flipping yeah. them off, and you know. <laughs> then it's like the thing from Adam's family. It's just torturing him. It's more of the slapstick type stuff. You know, like it gets its it's crawling around and gets hung in a mouse trap, and he's just laughing at it. And then you know, it just. It, <laughs> And then he finally he puts that pail, that metal pail over it or whatever, and then puts slaps some books on top of it. And the, the book on top says, A Farewell to Arms. You know, yeah. 
still on him and he's uh and it's trying to get to the uh butcher knife to kill him like it's just oh, digging yeah. its nails into the wood and dragging him along yeah <laughs> yeah that's right too. he's pulling him he's like he's like knocked out right when it yeah. kind of comes to he's like being dragged by his own hand yeah. <laughs> basically this the whole like that 20 or 30 minutes of the movie is just like the descent into madness like th- this evil dead's force or whatever is just driving him crazy even like the the inanimate objects in the house and stuff start moving and laughing like that mounted deer that deer is hilarious yeah. that's awesome just the look of it is hilarious but even the land that whole, the madness is starting or whatever the demons in the other yeah, and then then he's looking in the mirror i mean he is already looking in the mirror and then when the head and everything started doing this thing and he looks back and then his own image comes out the mirror and grabs him and yeah. pulls him in it starts choking <laughs> him and then it cuts back that he's choking himself and um if not for the comedy edge to it, you could see where this would drive somebody crazy, right? Like we're, you're watching this, you're kind of laughing along with it, but like if this were real, holy shit, you know, oh, yeah. like, you can yeah. see where you would go full on crazy here. I love the, the, the mounted deer on the wall though. And the lamp starts like bending over laughing, <laughs> 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 and then he just starts laughing along with it. And then that's when, uh, the, the, the group of people that are making their way towards the cabin, Annie, Jake, Bobby, Joe, and Ed, they arrive and they just come in and kick the shit out of Ash <laughs> because that's one part we haven't talked about. It's like this cabin is Ash and Linda are there just kind of like just spending the weekend or whatever, but it, the cabin actually belongs to Annie's parents who that's why they call it the Noby cabin, right? That that's the Noby family, Annie Noby. And they, they arrive and see Ash and all this madness and they don't see her parents. So like they assume this dude's done coming here and, and killed my parents. So, or, you know, Annie's parents. So they just beat the shit out of them with no, ex, you know, no explanation at all. They try to get a grip on the situation, but it clearly goes south when her mom, Henrietta pops up from the, the basement. I think that's another allusion to what happened in the first one. I mean, it's not quite the same, right? But basically like she's already down there kind of thing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's what they did. They beat the shit out of him, threw him down in the in the cellar, and then yep. she rises from where she was buried. I thought that was pretty good too, because like they throw him down there, and then they go up and start listening to the tape of her dad talking, <laughs> and then he says like, I, "I I couldn't dismember, you know, my my wonderful wife, so I buried her in the cellar." <laughs> and he's just like, "Huh?" <laughs> <laughs> and then of course she comes out of the ground. What there was one thing yeah, that happened. Yeah, the thing is, awesome anyways, right? I mean, that, that whole, even though it was really cumbersome, I guess, for the effects crew and everything, <laughs> that whole Henrietta puppet. It was, it was pretty gruesome looking though, especially at parts. I mean, it kind of changed, right? Like throughout the movie, like the, the presentation of Henrietta and everything, but like certain parts. Yeah. From going from animation look to the actual prosthetic puppet and everything. Yeah. Even toward the end where it's kind of, I, I'm assuming that was Ted Raimi playing that part, like toward the end where she comes out and, uh, she's kind of. It's almost like she's got like, he's got like the fat suit on. So it's just gnarly yeah. looking, you know, like kind of, uh, yeah. d- decomposed, you know, and comes in attacks or whatever. But like during all, there was one thing that I, I felt like they didn't really follow up on that happened in the middle of all of this. Whenever their, uh, Ash comes back out of there and they've got Henrietta locked down in there and then the, he hits the, the cellar door and the eye pops out. Yeah. Oh yeah. And the eye goes straight into Bobby Joe's mouth. Like, Hoo! and then she, I guess she swallows it. Right. I guess. <laughs> I they, guess but yeah. they, they never really followed up with that as far as with Bobby Joe, because like she never, I don't think she ever really got possessed, but meanwhile you turn around and Ed is a demon out of nowhere. <laughs> it's like, yeah. boy, that was crazy, huh? And they look over and I'll eat your soul. Hey! <laughs> but they never followed up on the eye thing. I, I'm figuring like, all right, well she swallows the eye. Yeah. She's turning. It would come out somewhere on her or somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Something. (laughs) You know what I mean? They never, they just never follow up on that. She just, eventually she just runs out into the woods and, and then uh, the tree vines take her out, right? Like the trees attack her and a, and a scene similar from the, that, that, uh, questionable scene from the original one, right? (laughs) Except he didn't go that far though. He's like, I I got the money. I'm going to do this. No, I'm not going to do this at all. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, he, he did it, but he didn't do it like that. So it was a completely. (laughs) completely different thing i was i, I was oh, sitting there waiting i was like that, i know he's not going to do this again right like surely yeah. surely they're not doing that again i definitely remember that scene before you know like going back to that time period in 87 and, and you know thinking this is oh, it's kind of very much like a remake sort of 
And then when that happened, I'm like, is he really, is this really going to happen yeah. in this one too? I'm like, okay, no. Didn't you learn from the first one? Don't, we don't, we don't need, we don't need multiple tree rape scenes. <laughs> one is enough. I got more money. I need to do it more graphically. Yeah. I need, you need to see it happen. Yeah. You have to wait for Terrifier 2 for some stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Be Terrifier to, 1, sorry. You had to wait about a good, a more, uh, what, 20, 25 years down the, <laughs> before they start crossing those bridges. Yeah, so Ash gets, not long after that, Ash gets possessed again. And then uh, he throws, <laughs> Jake, man, Jake takes a beating in this thing, doesn't he? <laughs> like, Ash, is, when he's possessed, he throws him into a tree. I'm like, well, that's probably enough to kill anybody right there. Because I think he threw him like head first into a tree. Nope. He's alive. He comes back in and Annie stabs him in the back with that bone knife. <laughs> no, that did not kill him. He's eventually torn apart. And I, by torn apart, I mean like blown into smithereens and blood shooting out of the cellar door. You know, like he's being chewed up by Henrietta and like <laughs> blood is just like somebody turned on a fire hose of blood. And just... It's a natural geyser. Yeah. I mean, but in that, this. This five to ten minute chunk right here, dude, Jake takes a beating. Probably one of the more, well, I mean, you you have to say it's probably the most gory kill, right? When somebody just gets like chewed up and spit out like a tree mulcher or something like that. There's not much more you could do to somebody, I don't think. But after that, Ash continues to fight off possession. He, That's basically what happened. Like he gets possessed again, right? And then he just kind of, well, he remembers Linda or something, right? I think that's what happened. Yeah, because of the necklace. Yeah, there's a necklace, and then like he's able to kind of fight off the possession. So he he ducks a couple of uh, full on Evil Dead possessions here in this movie. But then this leads up to the probably the the more famous scene, right? Is when they go in and like they're they're uh, suiting up for war, so to speak. They're going to do the final battle, and he they they retrofit the chainsaw to where it can fit right on his nub you know where he had to <laughs> lop his hand off so now he's got the chainsaw on his arm he takes the uh the shotgun and literally saws it off breaks it off and then spins it and then it says groovy so that yeah that's the, the famous <laughs> moment tagline <laughs> yeah that, that whole scene was pretty well thought out as far as like hooking hooking a chainsaw to his body like even giving it a spot to, to crank up not not that that would ever actually work in real life right you know how many times you try to crank a chainsaw, like, <laughs> but at least they went the mile to, you know, sure. like, to, yeah. <laughs> I don't think we needed to waste, give it waste a lot of screen time with him. Like, damn, damn chainsaw. <laughs> <laughs> you know, let's just get to it. He's got a hell of a chainsaw though. That's a really good one. Yeah. Whatever brand that was, maybe we need to invest. Leatherface should take notes. Huh? Yeah, no doubt. He has the final, the kind of the final battle with Henrietta. And what is she saying? Like, I'm going to swallow your soul. I can't yeah, remember. I'll swallow your soul. I'll swallow your soul. I'll swallow your soul. Yeah, that's what she's saying. And then he blows yeah. her head off and then swallow this. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you really get, you know, we'll talk about, you know, we'll get to Army of Darkness eventually, but you really get a lot of the one line, more than one liners over in that one that I recall, right? Like, so there's yeah. a lot of the kind of funny, cheap one liners there, but you, this is where they kind of start in this one with groovy and swallow this and you know some of the other things he says here yeah definitely and yeah just run they run with it with army of darkness kind of the final moment where they're they they go down there's also something we haven't mentioned where annie is coming to the cabin to bring some missing pages from the necronomicon so there's kind of a scuffle with the pages they go down the cellar they eventually get the pages back and i guess these are the ones that's got the incantations to kind of end this Mm -hmm. as they've got the pages and they're starting to try to read it to get rid of all this he, I guess he kind of sees, what does he see there? I guess it is kind of the evil dead force that's kind of coming into the cabin. Yeah, it was supposed to draw the, the essence forward into the, I guess, the real world. And then like the, the second incantation was supposed to send it back to where it came from. So in the middle of all of this, he see, like, I don't think Annie actually looks at it, but he does. And his hair starts turning white. And he tells her, like, don't look at it. But I thought that was a pretty cool effect where he's like, ah, ah, and then you could see his like the side of his hair, you know, for like practical effects from, you know, the mid eighties or something, right? Like I thought this was a pretty cool effect of his hair going white on the sides because he saw it and she didn't. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was a thing, right? In the eighties of like, when you wanted to show somebody how scared somebody was, yeah, you'd make that, that streak. And I forget what other movies did that, but it, it was a, it happened in multiple I movies. Back I don't then. remember seeing it a lot though, where you actually saw it happen like that though. Usually it was like, a go go ghost, and then you know, like they'd cut, and then they'd come back, and then their hair is whiter, standing up, or something like that. 
but this <laughs> one's more like you can kind of see it stop motion kind of play out like you know the white streak yeah. going into his hair but annie is then stabbed in the back with that bone knife i can we even call that a bone knife what the hell is it it's just a it's just bone right it's not necessarily a knife or is it a knife made out of bone i don't know it doesn't have like a blade punctured to make a spear no it didn't have a cutting blade did it have a cutting blade or was it just a stabbing blade right it was just a point yeah yeah I guess it looked to me like it was some sort of a backbone for part of it, right? Like the handle and stuff. Or, yeah, yeah. And it had that little skull on the end, like a little, I don't know, it's supposed to be a little demon skull. It was a little miniature skull on the handle. And then whatever part of the bone was grinded down to make the point, I guess. But yeah, to me, it looked like it was all bone of some sort. Well, she gets stabbed in the back with it by the hand. <laughs> that uh, uh, The thing is still running around in the house. And that, that hand takes it and, you know, takes the bone and stabs her in the back with it, but she still manages to finish the words. And then the little portal to wherever things, you know, this is sending things opens up and then Ash gets swept up in it. And then you realize he's been transported back in time. And like, you know, he's in like, you know, I, I assume just from what you, they have alluded to at this point earlier in the movie you know, roughly 1300, uh, AD. Right. And because it's like medieval times and then a flying demon swoops in and, uh, he takes the shotgun and, and blows its head off. And then they all kind of celebrate like, you know, uh, our savior is here. And then he's just like, no, no. And then credits, that's the <laughs> end. So that's the part that I had forgot about that, that this movie ended with what happens in army of darkness. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Including it. And like the, the, uh, the car fall out of the sky. Yeah. Yep. Right. Yeah. And like, <laughs> yeah, that whole scene was cool. I, I remember watching it, you know, yeah, having no idea that I'm sure they had an idea in their head where they wanted to go, if they were able to do a sequel, but seeing it back in 1987, I was like, Oh, that's fucking awesome. You know, like now it's back in medieval times and I, I didn't know if they were going to take it up from that or not. And that was about the time I had met them at that convention. They were promoting army of darkness in 92. So it took that long. For them to get the funds together to do Army of Darkness, I guess. Yeah, because it didn't come out until '92, right? I believe it was right '92. Yeah, yeah, 1992. Yeah, just look. Yeah, so it took them yeah. a while before they got there, but like, and and I, and I only brought that up earlier to say that like when when I was doing some you know reading some stuff on this one, that was the original concept for the movie, for this movie True. was what <laughs> yeah. basically what ended up being Army of Darkness. That's what Sam Raimi kind of had in mind for this, but uh, De Laurentiis wanted he basically wanted the first movie you know like, i'll give you the financial backing or whatever but i want what that was you know so that's why it kind of led to this being the requel that it is yeah and i'm honestly glad that that did happen i mean a lot of people think wow damn they should have let Raimi do what he wanted to do but i'm i'm glad in this case that the producers said no i want this because we otherwise we wouldn't have evil dead 2 in between there we you know, went straight army of darkness or whatever so yeah and so, yeah, kudos to De Laurentiis or whoever it was from his staff that, you know, put that forward. <laughs> well, it definitely turned out. So I, I guess that's it as far as, like, you talking about the movie and everything. It's time for our star rating. So, uh, Will, you, you this was your choice. You brought it to the table. So we'll let you go first. What are your thoughts and what's your star rating? Yeah, I'm going to go four and a half on this one. God, this, this, this movie must have been so much fun to film. Um, <laughs> like, was- like, even though, you know, you do kind of get – you know, some uh, familiar things from the first one. God, it was such, such a fun movie to watch. So, yeah, I, I'm going to go with four and a half. I love this one. I don't know if I, I don't know which one I like the best, but I was like the first one or the second one. I, I like them both for different reasons. I think the first one is, like, like I mentioned earlier, he did a lot with what he little he had to do, or a little, you know, funding he had for the first movie. And uh, there was less humor in the first movie, although it was there. More horror, you might, you might would say. I don't know if there's necessarily more gore or less gore, but the gore was, of course much higher production value when we get to the second movie. And uh, I gave the first movie a five-star rating on here. And this one, like I said, I, I don't know which one, if I had to balance which one I like more than the other. I, I can't really do that. I like them both equally, but for a different reason. Uh, so I, I don't think I can go any lower than a five on this one. So, I mean, that's a, it's not too often that we get fives, that we dole out fives here. But when it, for me, when it comes to that, you know, I, I will give it where I think it deserves it. And, also has to do with my enjoyment of it. How many times I could watch this movie over and over again and did and do. <laughs> I mean, it's been a couple of years now, but I don't know how many times I watched it back in the day. It was a lot. And it was never loses its value each time I watch it. So 
I don't think I can go any lower than the five with this one too. Uh, I'm basically going to go the same way you did, but I'm I'm going to stick with what I gave the original, the Evil Dead. I gave that four and three quarters. And just in the in the interest of fairness to that one, I don't know if I could necessarily say this one's for different reasons a five mm-hmm. over four and a quarter. So yeah, I know you're only splitting the quarters here, but I'm going to give this four and a you know four and three quarters as well. But basically, I love them both for same, the same reasons and different reasons. You know, so they're very similar, obviously. So I think that's only in the interest of fairness on my rating scale. I'll just give it the same, and then kind of split the difference. Like, you know, that's just, <laughs> I love them both very much for different reasons. I'll say that. So, and and I think Donnie, uh, uh, agreed. He gave me his rating. Now he, he rated this higher though. He gave the evil dead four and a half stars. He gave this one five stars. So, Oh, cool. No, no, oh, I'm not alone. Five star rating. Yeah, cool. <laughs> no, no. So I, I think we're all there though. You know, like you, you and Donnie gave yeah. it five stars. I, I'm only a quarter below. And then Will's right there four and a half. So, the consensus rating is 4.8 stars out of five. So this is one of our well, higher, higher rated movies we've ever done. So it does, I think it, it, it deserves what it gets here for sure. True. Before we get into the, the usual little bits that we have here, as far as the critic ratings and the, and the normal aggregates and everything, they, they pretty much, I think widely agree on IMDb. It gets 7.7 out of 10 stars. Metascore, you know, from Metacritic, they, they go to a scale of 100. They gave it 72. On Rotten Tomatoes, the tomato meter, 95% certified fresh. And the audience score is actually slightly lower, which is surprising, uh, 89%. But either way, regardless, well-loved, you know, well-beloved horror classic. Will, you kept the good times rolling from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre to this. Two huge, huge movies. <laughs> and we've done a couple of huge ones here just over the last few months, you know, with Dawn of the Dead and and this just carries on the tradition. Donnie is not here to give us the the his usual bit, but Connections and the Crits. Like I said, he's not here, but he did leave it. So I'm, I'm going to go ahead and, and read those out now. Uh, as far as the cast is concerned, you've got Bruce Campbell from The Evil Dead and from Black Friday. And you've also got Ted Raimi, who we also mentioned earlier, from Blood Rage and, of course, The Evil Dead. And as far as his crew connections, um, you've got MUFX, Howard Berger. He was connected to The Green Inferno, Annabelle. God, House of Wax. He did that on purpose. He had to have listed this on purpose just because it was connected to House of Wax. Invasion USA and Dr. Giggles. So Howard Berger connects to five past Spook Show episodes. All right, so Will? So I'm going to go with seven on this one. Uh, we got uh, Linda who got uh, possessed and then her head sawed in half. Uh, we got Ed who got possessed and uh, chopped up and shot green blood everywhere. Uh, Bobby Joe who got killed by the vines. Jake who turned into a, uh, a gushing uh, geyser of blood. Mm-hmm. Henrietta who ended up getting uh, dismembered and shot in the head. Annie who got a uh, stabbed with the dagger and then the uh medieval demon who got a shot in the head with the uh, shotgun so there you go that's it's a natural uh uh, segue into gore score (laughs) now i'm not going to go into a shot by shot for the gore here otherwise we'd be here as long as we've already been here recording the episode probably and will gave a nice recap of those scenes kind of and what you know what what they entailed uh suffice it to say though it's not any less gorier than the first movie more gorier maybe i don't know but they definitely had a higher production value as we stated so uh, and i gave the first one a 10 on that gore score and uh also as we said there's plenty of movies that are gorier but i think you got to set a bar somewhere you got to set the bar and then there's there's going to be movies that would go well over a 10 if you could go higher than a 10 you know and i'm thinking of some of the, the Italian cannibal movies or whatever, or, you know, Lucio Fulci, certain movies, 
that are gorier than right. But I'm kind of setting the bar, and I don't know if Evil Dead. I don't know what was the first ten on the on the gore score movie that we did, but uh, Evil Dead, giving it ten, I'm gonna have to go with a ten on this one as well, and that's kind of where the bar is. Uh, Reanimator, in retrospect, I think yeah. I gave it a ten. We didn't we weren't doing the gore scores until we got to the Spook Show Rewind with Donnie. And I'm pretty sure I get that a 10. So that's kind of where a 10 lies for me in those types of movies. So we'll have to come up for a, with another rating maybe when we get to some that are gory or like a 10 plus. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but for this one, yeah, it's, it's a, it sets a 10. I, mean. <laughs> I think it's fair enough. So there you go. That's the Evil Dead 2. Uh, great pull, Will. Uh, horror classic. Glad we finally got around to it. And I'm sure we'll we'll see Army of Darkness sooner or later. Later this year, right? If nobody else picks it, yes, that's going to be my yeah. next old movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. So we will see it at some point in the calendar year of 2023. I can guarantee it. Uh, but as far as what we have coming up next, well, cannon fodder. That's what's coming up next. And we're going to be watching. We spun the wheel. We all nominated something. We spun the wheel, and it landed on Cyborg from 1989. Kind of the the movie that ended it all for canon films, really. I mean, like it continued after that, but. I think it was the last one that Golan, Golan and Globus had produced together. So I guess bittersweet in that way, but you know, we'll, we'll wait and see what we have to say about Cyborg next week. I'm sure that's one, one of the Van Damme classics that uh, you know everybody enjoys on some level. So looking forward to that. So I guess that's pretty much it. So for uh, Donnie, who couldn't be with us, Will, Professor Smoke, I'm Josh. We are the All-American Spook Show, and we'll talk to you next week. Groovy.